AviationPros.com is the portal website for AMT, airport business, and ground support worldwide magazines. Visit daily for breaking news, industry blogs, and insightful articles from our magazine's editorial team. And don't forget to sign up for our publication's daily e-newsletters. It's all at AviationPros.com. Hello, and welcome to this edition of the Aviation Pros Podcast. I'm Walker Yarrow, Assistant Editor of Aviation Pros, and in this episode, as the year comes to an end, the Aviation Pros staff takes time to reflect on 2020 and look ahead to what the new year may have in store. Josh Smith, Editor-in-Chief of Ground Sport Worldwide, Joe Petrie, Editor-in-Chief of Airport Business, and Jennifer Wilbershite, Editor-in-Chief of Aircraft Maintenance Technology, offer their perspective on a variety of topics, from the challenges of the COVID-19 pandemic to an emerging technology we can expect to see the industry embrace in the new year. Well, thank you all for taking the time out of your schedules to reflect on 2020 and look ahead to the new year. Josh, I'll start with you first and um, this year's kind of greatest challenge, the COVID-19 pandemic. What's the impact of COVID-19 been for the workers on the ramp? Yeah, thanks, Walker. Uh, Really, the ground service providers have been affected by uh, the same decrease in activity that the airlines were experiencing. And as part of that airline ecosystem, The reduced traffic meant that there were fewer flights and therefore, you know, less aircraft to refuel the ice and service during the turnaround process. And of course, inside the terminal, there were uh, fewer passengers to assist. And uh, to make matters worse, some of those sporadic flight schedules and sudden changes to schedules were creating some, some pretty significant staffing challenges for ground service providers as well. So, With ground handlers already working within some pretty narrow margins, the pandemic created additional difficulties and, of course, uh, layoffs and furloughs ultimately became necessary. And what we saw was in many circumstances, ground service providers had to resort to those furloughs and layoffs a little earlier in the pandemic as some of the initial government funding and financial support for airlines didn't always necessarily trickle down to the ground service providers. So ultimately, the labor force has been hit really significantly. And while we see uh, like a number of examples of airlines self-handling here in the United States, globally, it's estimated, you know, up to almost two thirds of all ground handling operations are performed by third party companies. And for those companies not knowing exactly how long the pandemic was going to last, you know, further complicated matters and really forced the, you know, some of these ground handling companies to make some of those difficult staffing decisions. And now we see ground service providers kind of in this moment with members of the workforce removed. There's a challenge lying ahead where they're going to have to find a way to replace some of that professional experience and some of the skills possessed by the people who were let go. So uh, obviously the workforce has just been decimated because of the lack of traffic and that challenge of working back to pre-pandemic levels. It's really going to be a challenge. But the hope is that better days are coming 
uh, to help assist ground handlers get through the remainder of this pandemic and even move forward post-pandemic. There's numerous guidelines that have been put into place. Uh, for example, IATA's released and updated uh, several bulletins uh, with helpful information on passenger handling, ramp handling, uh, cargo services, and aircraft cleaning, among many, many others. And ICAO's Council Aviation Recovery Task Force, or CART, has also published some helpful resources to guide ground handlers uh, through the remainder of this pandemic and then help reestablish the industry once we begin returning to those pre-pandemic conditions. And speaking of pre-pandemic conditions, um, when we look inside the terminal, Joe, what have been passengers' concerns? Are they willing to fly again as we head into the post-pandemic world, or what needs to change to bring them back in? That's really a big challenge that all the airports are dealing with right now, and the airlines for that matter, because there is a lot of people looking to fly the problem is there's nowhere really to go. And that's been the big challenge as far as it goes with these with these the pandemic is the fact that even if you do fly somewhere, there's nothing you can do when you get there. So it's going to be a big challenge uh, just as we continue to roll out the vaccine and see how the recovery goes through the pandemic. Uh, that being said, Fitches, they're predicting about 65% of the travel levels of 2019 hitting in 2021 with a full recovery by 2024. That's going to be a big step if we can make it happen in the next four years, but it's a positive step. And the way we do that is it's going to have to come through embracing a lot of technology in the airport space and touchless technology specifically. I know vision box, they did a, uh, 2020 study of a, or different organizations and found that 63% in the aviation sector will seek to implement biometric technologies at airports using contactless travel. That's just a sign of people that are concerned about any of the health issues related to the pandemic and COVID and trying to protect all of them in the uh, as they're coming through the airports. So that's going to be the big thing that they need to embrace going forward. Some of these things that people are really looking at Black box research, 76% uh, of the respondents on a survey they did indicated that their preferred travel destinations would, ha would be airports offering reliable touchless identity and contact clearance experience. Uh, this is just not, not just going into the airport itself, too. I mean, this is getting around the airport. This is buying any of your concessions. Uh, this is leaving the airport. I mean, almost half of them want a completely contactless journey from the airport to their hotel. Um, it's not impossible. It's a good thing. Uh, the air, air aviation industry has been moving in this direction for quite a few years. It's just that we're really going to need to speed things up going forward into this next year and even into 2022 in order to help the recovery move along faster. And then when we look at things from a maintenance perspective, uh, Jennifer, this dip in passengers have um, resulted in a lot of grounding of planes, but we're also going to need them to get back into the skies eventually. What's going into that process? Well, as it turns out, it, uh, it takes an incredible amount of work to safely park, store, and maintain the integrity of grounded aircraft. Aircraft can't simply be dusted off and put back into the skies. Um, they need plenty of work while in storage, from maintenance of flight control systems and hydraulics to even protection against insects and wildlife. Keeping an aircraft parked can cost up to $30,000 per plane, depending on the maintenance routine. 
While the aviation industry has been hit hard during this pandemic, not all of maintenance has been halted. Many fleets have been taking this time to undergo longer maintenance tasks as well. There have been 60 to 95% of fleets grounded for some airlines, and it is going to take a lot of work to get them back into shape for when people start to travel again. However, some aircraft that have been grounded during this time will not make it back to service at all. Once the COVID-19 crisis starts to improve, a lasting effect will likely be made that many airlines will have excess aircraft for years. And then there are older, less efficient planes that are going to go into even a deeper storage of a year or more going to come to a fact where airlines may begin to use their own planes for parts and start doing total teardowns. But then kind of as a silver lining here at the end of the year, we have the 737 MAX back in service. What does that mean as we head into 2021? Um, The biggest obstacle Boeing and airlines that will start to fly the MAX again will be making the public more comfortable with flying on the aircraft. Um, Even with the hardware and software fixes the company did, the simulator training pilots will undergo Um, and the FAA administrator flying the plane himself, it's going to take some time for people to feel safe again. Unfortunately, the MAX is coming back to a struggling industry. They will not only have to gain trust from travelers again, travelers will need to feel comfortable with traveling at all. Josh, turning back to you, one of the areas of the industry that um, was more successful than others was cargo. And as we look ahead to 2021 with the COVID vaccine out and being ready to distribute it around the world, cargo's poised for another big year. How did the industry adapt to the new cargo-centric needs of the world and what challenges lay ahead with vaccine distribution? Yeah, it was logical that we saw that cargo demand remain high, even as airline passenger figures dipped this spring as a result of the travel restrictions spurred on by the COVID-19 pandemic. But uh, really the greatest challenge for the uh, cargo side of things was the capacity crunch that was preventing uh, some of the cargo demands from being fully met. Uh, This led to some pretty creative solutions from the airlines, however, uh, and that included what you know, became dubbed freighters, that being passenger aircraft converted to uh, cargo planes to handle more freight demands. Now, that allowed airlines and other companies to effectively ship things like mail, medical supplies, personal protective equipment, and other goods uh, when the uh, world really needed it more than ever. There's been a couple of different methods for these conversions, including storing cargo on seats, between the seats, and in overhead bins. In other cases, storing cargo in specifically made seat containers or seat bags have worked better for some airlines. And then even uh, others opted to secure cargo on the floor after removing all of the aircraft seats and really overhauling those planes to make them suitable for their cargo needs. Um, Further, you know, investment in the uh, pharma handling capabilities and temperature sensitive equipment has also become uh, more crucial, especially here late in the year. And it will continue on into 2021 as the uh, COVID-19 vaccines uh, have been developed and are beginning to be distributed. Uh, It's just going to continue to be even more critical now as uh, they get those vaccines out to uh, frontline workers and eventually to the general population. There's going to be a lot of eyes, you know, on the cargo handling world, uh, especially uh, in relation to aviation. And as a result, um, you know, that's a topic we're going to dive into uh, in great detail coming up in the upcoming uh, February issue of Ground Support Worldwide. So, a little opportunity to tease some upcoming content in the magazine, but uh, 
we're going to look really in depth at some of these uh, pharma needs in the near future. Very great. And speaking of cargo and the needs of this vaccine, um, kind of the infrastructure to store that comes to mind. And Joe, pre-pandemic, airport infrastructure and funding was kind of a pressing need for many. As we go into 2021 with the pandemic's effects hopefully subsiding, will airport funding return as a top priority? And with the incoming Biden administration, how might that impact things? We're really at an interesting crossroads with this. We're at a, hopefully, knock on wood, turning point in the pandemic that we're starting to see a movement towards the light at the end of the tunnel. And we're also dealing with a recession that's been brought on by this. Uh, this has caused, you know, according to the World Travel and Tourism Council, 75 million travel and tourism jobs alone have been lost across the globe. Now, President Biden was really a big supporter of infrastructure investment when he was vice president during the Obama years. Um, and I think it's pretty interesting for the fact that he brought in uh, and just recently named uh, Mayor Pete Buttigieg as the secretary of the DOT, who's going to bring a local perspective right from the onset to DOT and how money is going to be allotted. So, Yes, it's definitely going to be something that's going to be front and center, I guarantee, going through. How might it change is another question all in its own. The old battle was always over the PFCs and airlines. Airlines are in a pretty rough spot right now. Uh, and I mean, where you could make the argument of PFCs being changed or even localized going into the next administration. I don't know if there'll be an appetite for that. While there is an appetite for air infrastructure investment across the aisle as well. I mean, this isn't just a Democrat issue. Many Republicans are in support of it as well. But there could be some changes there. And it also brings along another big challenge looking ahead. A lot of that air service and a lot of those jobs are never coming back. So it's coming in. How do we best spend that money? And this is also another one where it comes in when you have a former mayor of South Bend being the you know head of the DOT for this. General aviation and business aviation have just absolutely soared during this pandemic because they still need to be doing work. They still need to go around and the commercial service isn't there. And they've been filling it in heavily as things have gone on. I don't know how long or if that is going to change. That might actually be a new normal for a lot of business, especially in smaller communities, which means we're going to have to rethink spending on our airports, especially in the more rural areas and our smaller airports that are not going to have the commercial services. And if we want to get everybody back on track economically, they're going to have to find a way to make sure that we're investing in these general aviation areas and making sure that these airports have what the tools they need in order to have a successful community. So I think it's going to be very front and center. I think it's going to be part of a major infrastructure bill. Uh, but the thing is, is I think this is a really big chance for the whole conversation to change fundamentally, uh, just given the position of the world. And of course, when we talk about labor needs and the um, rising importance that general aviation will take on, the pilot and mechanic shortage comes to mind. Jennifer, how did COVID-19 quarantine social distancing orders impact that problem and what can be done in 2021 to jumpstart these education programs? That is a very good and interesting question. Um, once the pandemic started and planes started to go into hibernation, 
the immediate thought was that the previous workforce shortage problem would be no more. Surprisingly, this is not the case, at least for mechanics. As I mentioned before, just because planes are grounded does not mean work to keep them up stops. For FAA certified mechanics already working in the field, this means job security. Um, it's also good news for students who are still studying to, to earn their FAA mechanics license. Um, but just as COVID uh, created challenges for the airline industry, it also has brought new challenges for maintenance training programs. For the first time, many Part 147 schools are being forced to deliver much of their curriculum online. In-person classes and hands-on training are gone. Instead, aviation maintenance programs are using conference, um, conferencing platforms like Zoom, YouTube, videos, and even podcasts uh, to deliver their curriculum. And while these tools can certainly keep the ball rolling, they are very limited. Some aviation maintenance schools turned to online learning tools that can more closely mimic the in-person learning environment and keep students engaged and on track, even when they can't be in the classroom. They found programs that integrate interactive components that enable students to feel that they're practicing their skills, even though they're not actually on site turning the wrenches themselves. As for kickstarting education and training in 2021, I would say we need more teachers to help educate the upcoming workforce. Uh, let's fill those classes up and increase class offerings so that more students can enroll in these training programs. Um, we need them and we need them right now. One of the silver linings of the past year has been kind of the importance that um, private travel has taken on in the industry. Um, Josh, how did ramp workers on the FBO side of the business uh, adjust to the new normal in 2020? And what does 2021 hold for them? Yeah, I think there's a lot of uh, interesting opportunities here. It's, you know, prior to the pandemic, you know, BizAv was probably viewed by many as luxury travel. But after uh, commercial flight schedules began to diminish a little, BizAv all of a sudden appeared to be more as uh, an essential uh, travel, uh, an essential form of travel, that is. Uh, so with these uh, increases in business in certain locations, FBOs and their ground operation teams had to adapt the way they were interacting with their customers. Uh, for example, instead of immediately handling a passenger's bags, it became more customary to ask if that's what the customer was comfortable with, you know, as you're trying to mitigate the, the, the potential spread of uh, the virus. Uh, similarly, adjusting catering options and offering prepackaged food, for example, uh, was another way to give passengers some, some ease of mind knowing that the food had been handled safely uh, prior to it being put on board the plane. Really, the key for FBOs was just to restore that confidence in the uh, flying public and those business aviation customers and just demonstrating that everything uh, that could be done was being done to provide the safest environment possible. Allowing the customer to see those measures being put into place was really important as well. Uh, that includes, you know, cleaning practices uh, being done out in the open just to, again, instill that confidence that uh, this was going to be a safe journey uh, for the customer. Uh, likewise, uh, ground handlers, uh, and this is true on both the FBO side as well as the commercial side, started making a, a point of letting their customers know what type of technology was being used in order to disinfect aircraft and other public areas, whether that be, you know, electromagnetic sprayers or specially designed UV lights. Um, you want to let the customers know that uh, you, you've made this a, a safe place for them to travel. And uh, kind of on that same 
uh, train of thought, the NATA put together a safety first clean standard, uh, as they've called it, which um, allows an FBO to kind of run down a checklist, so to speak, and um, make sure they're hitting all the, the key areas to provide a, a safe and clean traveling experience. And being able to you know, achieve that standard and place that uh, logo in your in your window lets uh, the flying public know that you're doing everything they can to make things safe. And I think moving into 2021, that's going to be an important factor here as well. Uh, just because the calendar flips from 2020 to 2021 doesn't mean all these concerns start going away. It's still going to be up to uh, FBOs and those uh, uh, members of the workforce that are on the ground to kind of be that uh, that public-facing uh, entity that uh, ensures the public that aviation is safe. Um, you can you can get to your destinations uh, without uh, risking your health, and uh, it'll be kind of those first steps in getting uh, the the aviation world back on its feet. And piggybacking off of um, the new technologies that have been adopted for safe travel. Um, this past year, we saw a lot of um, new technology in the airports from robots cleaning terminals and biometrics allowing for touchless travel. Joe, what's airport technology in 2021 looking like? Look for a turbocharge on automation. The big trend that came out of this year that was a little bit different in North America was the robots and robotics cleaning the terminals. Uh, that one is a great example of how we were able to find a quick solution in the industry to uh, solve a big crisis. And that was, you know, getting traveler trust. And in the end of it, we were able to find a different way to make better, more efficient ways of operations inside a terminal while uh, addressing an ongoing need. Expect that to expand. I don't see that going away, even if the pandemic subsides this year. Uh, there's there's just been too many advantages that have been uncovered by going through this. Same goes even through the concessions. That one right there has also been a very fascinating uh, case study looking through all this. There has been a lot of financial hit that a lot of these uh, concessionaires have taken this year. And one of the ways they've worked around it, especially with the safety needs, has been a lot of on-demand and uh, different ways of providing service for any of the travelers. Uh, companies like Grab have been expanding their programs at uh, different areas inside the uh, terminal, and people are growing used to them. I mean, it's no different than now if you were to go out to a restaurant and you know try and order something, and you notice a lot of them now have gone a lot more you know, technology forward. And a lot of people use it and they try it and say, wow, this is pretty great. Well, the same thing is happening inside the airports as well. And people aren't going to want to, a lot of people aren't going to want to change from what they've had because it is so convenient that they have out there. And I think the biggest thing that we're going to see going forward is the biometrics push of the last few years, I think is just about to be turbocharged. Uh, we've seen more and more uh, the value of having this type of uh, tool inside the uh, terminal in order to protect passengers, not just in a health pandemic, but also to help with things like social distancing and create efficiencies. Uh, you know, we, there's been a lot of big uh, stories out there that a lot of people may not have realized in the industry that kind of flew under the radar because of the bigger story of the pandemic and the impact. But I mean, earlier this year, the Port of Seattle implemented a biometrics policy to address data privacy concerns and make sure that they were able to put in a comprehensive program. That was one of the first in the country that was able to put something like this in. Uh, 
Um, even more recently, the Star Alliance of Airlines, um, you know, they've recently announced a biometrics program that's going to have everything curbed to gate, you know, so they can check in, bag drop and board, you know, using biometrics. Uh, that's a lot of airlines and a lot of weight that are going to be pushing this forward. So I expect that to become a necessity and I cannot see that slowing down coming into this year. And I guess that there's one big thing that we can take away from the big lessons of the pandemic overall, when it comes to the types of technology as airports for too long, there was too much of a wait and see situation to address a lot of the shortfalls that were out there until the necessities hit now. Well, we've seen what happens. This is absolutely probably the worst case scenario you could ever have. Hopefully, this is as worst as it can possibly be of what happens when you underinvest in this technology and in the infrastructure for so many years and something this like this happen. These are the tools by investing in these types of equipment that are going to make for such a much more resilient industry for the future in case something like this ever happens again. And it's something that should be front and center for every airport and every airline out there to make sure they're addressing them. And this is, this is the main reason we're having our passenger experience uh, virtual event coming up in 2021, because this is such a big issue that needs to be addressed. And I really expect this to keep moving forward in 2021. Very good. Well, everyone, I think that's all the questions I had for you. Uh, thanks again for taking the time to chat this afternoon. Um, before we wrap up, any final thoughts? I'd say that a lot of things are looking up for 2021, and I expect to see a lot of recovery happening across the industry and a lot of positive news by the third quarter of this coming year. Yeah, to add to that, I, I do think there is a desire to travel again. Uh, people are fatigued by the uh, pandemic here and there's an urge to get out and be in other places. And I think that bodes well for the aviation industry as a whole. And as a, as an extension of that, all the uh, facets of aviation, you know, whether it's the airlines, the ground handlers, the airports, the maintenance personnel, I think everybody's due for a little bit of recovery here. Uh, once we get uh, into 2021, I, I think Joe may be right about around the third quarter. Uh, things could be in, in a much better position than they are now. Sounds great. Well, thank you again, everyone, for taking the time to chat. Thank you. It's my pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for tuning into this episode of the Aviation Pros Podcast. I'm Walker Yarrow, and from all of us at Aviation Pros, we hope you have a great holiday season. I wish you all a happy new year. Until next time. Thank you again for tuning in.